Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM, where we talk to business leaders and experts to gain valuable insights that will help you move your business forward. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Conversations in Business with RSM. My name is John Jones, and I am a director at RSM in the tax department. Today, I'm chatting to Rachel Madziwanika, Chief Financial Officer for Beulah PTY Limited, a subsidiary of Beulah Group in South Africa. Rachel is a fellow of the Association of Chartered Certified Accountants, who has been working in in the finance field for over 20 years. Beulah is a global plant equipment manufacturer for the food and many other industries with operations in over 140 countries. It's likely that you have come into contact with a number of items that utilize their technology every day without even knowing it. Thanks for joining us today, Rachel. Thanks for having me, John. Um, just, just to kick off our, uh, our conversation, um, give us a little bit of background into, into Beulah and the Beulah Global Operations. Okay, um, so Beulah operations are extremely extensive, but as you mentioned, um, a lot of people come into contact with at least one item during the day or maybe even more that have been processed using Beulah technology. So if I had to take you on a journey from, say, in the morning when you wake up, your iPhone, you know, the alarm rings, one of uh, the items on your iPhone, which is the camera, the camera coating is actually processed on Beulah technology. You would then proceed to eat your breakfast, the breakfast cereal that you're eating, the bread, most likely processed on a Beulah machine. If you had to then continue your day, maybe feed your dog, the pellets that you're feeding your dog, those are probably processed on Beulah technology. Uh, you could then maybe put on some makeup if you're a lady. <laughs> and the pigments in your lipstick, those are also made on uh, Beulah technology. So you would proceed, maybe have pasta for lunch or rice for lunch. That's also processed on Beulah technology. Um, you might have waffle for dessert. That's one of our newer acquisitions. Um, that's also Beulah technology. The engine block in the vehicle that you drive, you know, that's also Beulah technology. You might have a chocolate during the day. That's also Beulah technology. So even when you wind down at night and you're having that beer, that beer is probably processed on Beulah technology. So it's quite extensive. And I mean, just to put it in a nutshell, what we say is we are involved in process technology for food, for animal feed, and for advanced material. So what you find is quite a lot of the grain, in fact, 60% of the world's grain is processed on Beulah machinery. About 30% of rice worldwide is processed on Beulah equipment. About 25% of engine blocks are made on uh, Beulah die casting machinery. So, I mean, I could talk for days. It's, It's completely extensive. Yeah, I must say my, uh, you know, I always think of Beulah as a, uh, you know, in the food environment more than any of those other product types that you've, you've listed. Yeah. So it's actually quite incredible when you, um, when you start to understand the extent of the organization. Um, if we look at that and in terms of, of the Beulah presence, I mean, the group is in approximately 140 countries worldwide. Um, the company first opened operations in South Africa in 1972 and has really grown exponentially since then. What do you think was the key to the company's success in that, uh, in that growth profile? 
So yeah, you're right, John. Um, we're actually celebrating our 50th anniversary next year. You know, we've grown from a small company that was in Wadeville with less than 20 employees to over 200 employees now. And I think one of the keys to our success has, first of all, been the top quality that we supply. We are a Swiss company, and uh, of course, being Swiss quality is key. And we've upheld the Swiss standards, even though we are here in, in, in Africa. So definitely supplying top quality. We find we have customers who bought machines from us in, in 1972, and those machines are still working today. Um, yeah. Not really good for, for, for continuous good business. For business. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the, the keys. The other thing that really plays in our favor is we like to be close to our customers. So you'll find we um, put up service stations so we can be closer to the customers. So we have quite a number of clients, for example, in Cape Town, and we put a, a service center there. We have uh, service engineers based in, in Durban. Um, so we service the Southern African region. So we also have a service center that's based in Zambia. Yes. Um, we also have a production site here in Joburg, which also um, works well in, in terms of having proximity and quick turnaround time for our customers. Um, we also share a lot of the knowledge with our customers. Um, so when they buy a machine from us, it's not that, okay, you've bought a machine, thank you very much, goodbye, but we tend to partner with them. So in terms of upkeep and maintenance, you know, we're, we're very close to our customers. Okay. No, and I think all of those all of those points make absolute success when we, you know, I think in terms of any business, I think those are the types of issues and factors that uh, help you create successful businesses. Um, mm. I think just moving on from that, uh, you, you know, obviously in your intro, you you spoke about the different types of products. In that context, innovation must be incredibly important for the group. Um, if we look at that, I mean, how important is innovation for Beulah within the organization? I mean, do you, do you limit that to your R&D departments or does it come from all areas of the business? Well, so innovation is, is absolutely core to the values of, of Beulah. And it's not, to be honest, it's not just a buzzword. And I know you know, innovation, everybody has a tagline, we innovate, yeah. you know, but we actually live out that value of innovation. And I'll give you an example. I mean, for us, we believe that we are a global company. And with that global relevance um, comes responsibility. So we have a responsibility to, to continue to innovate um, for a better world. I mean, if you've seen a our tagline, that's what we say innovate for a better world. But I'll give you an example of why it's not just a tagline and it's not just uh, words that we speak. Every couple of years, Beulah actually runs an innovation challenge, um, which is open to all employees, of which there are 13,000 employees worldwide. And from this innovation challenge come various ideas. And these various ideas are then actually sponsored, the winning ones, of course, are then sponsored by the company in terms of making them into sustainable businesses. 
So last year, even though we had COVID, they still managed to run the challenge uh, virtually. Uh, there were over 400 ideas that were submitted. Over 100 ideas were allowed to pitch. And out of those 100 ideas, six of them were actually allowed to proceed and become uh, proper businesses. So we've seen a lot of innovation come out of this, especially when the employees are involved. They are allowed to collaborate with external partners. And, and Beulah contributes about 5% of our profits into research and development, whether it's in the form of uh, proper research and development or in the form of this, these challenges. And just to give you an idea, we have a product that we call the Isigayo. And it's yeah. a product that's actually been sold in Southern Africa, well, in Africa, actually. And that Isigayo um, came through an innovation challenge about 10 years ago. Uh, that was actually won by a, a South African um, team. So yes. it really is not just talk. We really live the innovation that we talk about. Yeah, those, those ideas, I mean, uh, you know, they're coming from every aspect of the business. So they're not necessarily limited to uh, operational or production issues. Uh, it's across Absolutely. every aspect of the business. Absolutely. Even in finance, we had some innovations coming up. You have engineering coming up with innovations. You have commercial coming up with innovations. So it's not, it's not limited to just production. It's all to the machinery. It's really in all aspects. So all ideas are welcome. So it, it, I think we really do live the innovation. We innovate tagline. Yeah, I, I think what's what the message I'm getting from from you in, in just listening to what you're saying is really the buy-in right across the organization. Um, Absolutely. You know, I th I and think and that, just to, to comment on that, John, just to show the importance of, of why innovation is so important, um, the judges are actually the, the executive board. So they take their time to actually sit and judge these 100 uh, pitched ideas pitched so ideas, it is really yeah. important to them as well yeah so it's being taken right through the organization to the highest level and possibly flowing on a little bit from that I mean you know we can see that digital transformation has also been on Beulah's radar um, you know where you're using incredibly advanced technology even even in the form of artificial intelligence um, again you know is this a, this an underlying focus within the group um, or, or is it just what you need to, to stay relevant in the industry? So we, we pride ourselves with being um, the leaders in technology. So for us, it's, it's, it's not a necessity to remain relevant, but it's important that we remain in the lead uh, of technology. What okay. we see, obviously, is that, you know, there's so much change and change is rapid and it's quick and you know, so you have to really, you have to move with the industry. And so digital transformation is, is also a big topic for us. As far as that's concerned, I mean, if you were looking at an organization that, that's looking to try and apply emerging technology to, to improve their business, what do you think is the most important consideration or considerations around looking at that in terms of an organization? So I think... Um, in terms of organizations that are coming up and, and trying to put themselves in this space, you really need to learn to, to walk before you can run. It's not, a, it's not an evolution. You actually have to take the time 
um, and evolve with with uh, partners as well that yeah. understand your processes. I mean, we have so many processes, but if you go right back to the beginning, you find that most of our processes are actually linked to the origins of Beulah, which is, you know, a grinding mill. So most yeah. of the processes and technologies that have come out, whether it's in die casting or in grain milling, everything is somewhat linked to the origins of, of Beulah. So you need to, to be aware of uh, and work with someone who understands your processes. And also, I mean, there's so much data yes. out there, so much information. You also need kind of that awareness yeah, of we'll... what information are you, are you willing to share? You know, what is the data for? Who's using it? So I think those are the important things that anyone who's trying to go into a technology space needs to really be aware of that. Yeah, I think I think the most difficult aspect of that for me, and I mean, obviously, we're operating in a business environment as well, is is just that information overload, and yeah. being able to able to you know work your way through all of that information in a way that gets you to a point that you're doing something that makes sense for your business. You know, obviously, big in in the food industry, and looking at that, and looking at things like food security and overall sustainability, uh, clearly a big aspect of the Beulah business. Um, I mean, what is your view on that from the perspective of other organisations? I think it's absolutely vital and absolutely important that we preserve this world that we have for future generations. Again, it shouldn't just be something that you do as a tick box. I think sustainability is it's not it's really looking into the future and not just thinking about ourselves, but thinking about our children and our children's children. You know, so every decision that we make, whether it be it in business or in private, really needs to to think of what is the economy going to look like in the future. What's humanity going to look like in future? You know, what is nature going to look like in future? So I think, you know, sustainability needs to really be a focus point for all businesses, no matter how small, because we all contribute in whatever small or big way. You know, everything that we do, for example, we are in the food industry. We understand the, the effects of food on nature. Uh, the effects of food on humans, you know, there's obesity, all those kind of topics need to be thought about. And I think every business, it's absolutely vital that they think about how sustainable their operations are and actually incorporate it as as a value in the business. Yeah, I I think that all of that makes absolute sense. Uh, Let's go a little bit nuts and bolts. Um, You know, we we obviously have all been through, uh, well, I say we've all been through, we still are in the joys of of dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. But when we start looking at nuts and bolts from a business point of view, uh, you you know, what do you you see as the biggest challenges for for your business Um, as we stand now? I mean, as of today and and really looking forward for the next couple of years. So... I mean, obviously, on a global level, the pandemic has wreaked havoc with everything that we thought was normal. So definitely, I mean, COVID is is a big factor. If I had to look locally at at South Africa, I think the uncertainty in the economic and political environment 
that really plays a huge factor, especially for us. I mean, when when we sell a machine, it's not a small investment. So these yeah. are long-term projects. First of all, to get to signing a, a deal takes could take up to a year. And then beyond that, it takes up to 18 months to actually construct. So the uncertainty really doesn't bode well for our business. Um, investor confidence is low. So what you find is uh, the, the big investments are not so easy to come by because people can't think beyond kind of when will the pandemic end at the moment. So it's much more difficult to get, you know, uh, these big investments coming through. However, what we also realized is people must eat. And somehow, actually, people were eating a lot more during <laughs> lockdowns. So we're starting at the moment to see those big investments starting to come back because the capacity is now challenged, their capacity, their production capacity is now challenged. So now, you know, after everybody has learned to, to, to deal with the pandemic, uh, business must go on. We, we can't stop. And so those negotiations that always had to be face-to-face -face can now happen virtually. But it's taken time for people to get to that point. I mean, you don't yeah. invest hundreds of millions after having a conversation on Zoom. And we know even the culture of the people in, in Southern Africa is such that they want to meet with, with the person they're dealing with. So we've had to overcome those, those um, challenges. But I think we've all learned along the way. And yeah, business must go on. No, business will go on. And I, I think you're absolutely right in, in the context of, of the pandemic, really putting people into a very conservative frame of mind. But, but at the same time, I think we'll start to see that change um, because, as you say, business needs to go on. And particularly from a South African perspective, we need that economy to, uh, to pick up and start a growth profile. And, um, you, you know, and that's going to need people to and, and corporations and organizations to, to step up and, and start to do business again. Um, you know, whether it's done in a slightly different way or not, uh, I think everybody needs to get their business operations back on, 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 uh, on the front foot. Absolutely. Um, just in terms of, uh, in terms of Beulah and, and uh, obviously it's a, it's a big organization worldwide. I mean, it was started as a family business in Switzerland. Um, you know, given given the, uh, the the worldwide nature of the business, um, but but maybe even in the context of looking at it in isolation from a South African perspective, uh, how, how does the organisation deal with succession planning and and the ability for the operation to continue going forward? You know, what are the processes that that, that are applied, and and you know, how important is it to the business overall? So interestingly, Beulah is still a family-owned business. Currently, we have three of the Beulah daughters that actually sit on the board. Um, in terms of succession planning, what's interesting is how the culture of, of Beulah actually perpetuates a clear succession plan. So what you find is a lot of people, particularly if I look at, at the Swiss uh, operations, which is obviously the, the mother of yes. the operations, you find most people who started their apprenticeships when they were 16, 17, still retire at 65 while they're still working for Beulah. 
So the culture of the business, I guess the, the family owned culture has really permeated the business and people stay long. I mean, yes. even here in Johannesburg, we have people who are celebrating 40 years with the company, are celebrating, you know, 35 years, quite a number of people. So what it does is it makes it easy to have succession planning. I mean, it's not, succession planning shouldn't be an event. So what tends to happen yeah. is you can kind of see, okay, this person is moving to this level and now we need to replace and start filling up from the bottom. Yeah. Um, so we have quite a, a, quite a number of, what, do you, what would you call it politely, aged, <laughs> aged employees. Well, yes, that have but been it becomes a natural, yeah, it becomes exactly. a natural so, process. Yeah. Exactly. It's almost, it's almost natural. And obviously we start to observe you know, as people are, are getting towards retirement, there's so much knowledge that they have that they've accumulated over the many years that have been with the company. So we kind of plan with the apprenticeship program, which is also one of the, the big things that uh, Beulah does. We run apprenticeship programs right from, you know, straight after school, following on the apprenticeship model from Switzerland. So we then start to partner our apprentices with those who are close to retirement for at least five years so they can um, get that knowledge. It's, it's, it's not easy to pass on that knowledge, but you yes. know, if we partner apprentices with uh, the older generation, then we have some hope of, of good succession planning. So it's almost natural the way succession happens. And I think this, this low staff turnover really helps. It's, it's almost a contra to, to modern society though. Um, Absolutely. Where, where, the, where there is a culture which is developed of, of individuals moving very quickly between different jobs. And uh, mm. yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's quite interesting because it almost contradicts what, what we see in, in, uh, in modern society. Um, just, just lastly, I mean, just to, you know, you've obviously been in the finance field for a long time, um, you, know, you know, over 20 odd years. You know, what, what do you feel are, are some of the best changes and developments that you've seen in the industry? Uh, and then also, what are some of the biggest business lessons you, you've learned? Okay, um, John, what I, what I really liked that's happened over the past sort of decade is the evolution of the CFO from, you know, just being a number cruncher and reporting historic data. I always say that as, a, as, a, as an old school CFO, you just report history. Hence the little gray men that we are called every time, <laughs> you know. But I think what's happened over the last sort of decade is the CFOs are evolving beyond just being number crunchers into people who can partner with the CEO uh, maybe even become CEOs in the future because we, yeah. we are transforming into more strategic partners as yes. opposed to history makers. Uh, so that's, that for me is really, is really nice to watch. Um, we, we are partnering with the CEOs, playing a much bigger role in strategy formulation and using the numbers to, to predict the future, really. Yes. Um, I love technology. And I've always said, even to my team, as accountants, we need to transform ourselves. We cannot continue and hope that we'll still be uh, data capturing, which is what I call it, uh, in the next 10 years. 
and already it has begun, you know, artificial intelligence is taking over all these um, tasks that are pretty much data capture will cease to exist. So we need to transform ourselves into people who are able to interpret numbers, even at a lower level, you know, not just at at CFO level, you really need to be able to look at numbers, um, almost become data scientists, you know, business analysts, as opposed to number crunches. So these are some of the developments that I'm seeing that are actually becoming more readily available for accountants uh, to go into those areas and, and just develop ourselves. So for me, those two are are some positive changes and developments that are happening. I mean, I know people are losing their jobs to robots, but we should have seen this coming. And we did see this coming. And it's up to us to really change ourselves and become a different breed of accountants. Sure. I think that's true in, in our industry as well. I mean, we, you know, you look at uh, as a tax person where I'm looking at uh, tax compliance functions. And I think that over the next 10 years, we'll see those become automated. And that forces us to think very differently in terms of the way that we approach our business. Um, so, John, well, your other question was, what uh, business lessons have I learned so far? So, we went through quite a difficult time around 2016 and uh, obviously business was low and we had to really survive through this process. And one of my biggest learnings is that cash is king. You can weather financial and economic storms as long as you have a handle on your cash flow and as long as you have a handle on your expenditure. And what that period of crisis taught us is, you know, we tend to relax when things are going well. We are quite relaxed in terms of expenditure. We're quite relaxed in terms of, you know, how we do business. But one of the biggest learnings is controlling expenditure and really having a good handle on your cash flow. Um, My other biggest learning is I'm not able to do everything. Sometimes I, I feel like I'm superwoman, but I'm not. <laughs> so I've learned that I can outsource skills that I'm not particularly experienced or even, you know, competent in. So I stick to my core competencies and stick to what I know. And yeah, I think that way, even from a mental health point of view, it, it, it's, you become quite successful. Yeah. Another thing which is quite big and close to my heart is is just learning. I've learned to love what I do. I, I love my job. I, I enjoy coming to work every day. And this, this has a huge impact on just general well-being. You know, mm-hmm. if you have to wake up and go to work every day, you really must enjoy what you're doing. And I've been fortunate enough to work for, you know, for a company where I really enjoy what I do. I love what I do. And therefore, my my general health and mental well-being is also catered for in in that respect are a little bit better than normal but i think that that mentality <laughs> also impacts on those around you uh, you know that starts to impact on your team and your team becomes a lot better at what they do as well absolutely rachel thank you so much for uh, for your time it's been a very insightful uh, chat and uh, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon thank you so much That was Conversations in Business with RSM. Experience the power of being understood. Experience RSM. Visit rsmza.co.za.